The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Hi, I hope everyone is doing well. We are doing very well on the Rebel Road. The tour is going along uh, just beautifully. There have been some changes and some things that have arisen that are having us do things in a new way, but everything is just being boundless and timeless as creative capacity would allow. I'm calling you from Charleston, South Carolina today, and just excited to have a discussion about the revolt of the rebel angels, and we will get into that in just a minute. But I wanted to let you know that my uh, latest book is out, and I would love for you to connect to that. That is Your Journey to Enlightenment, and if you're looking to step into courage to really be in full love and commitment for your heart's greatest desires, to release anything that is holding you back and feeling like bondage or servitude or replication, then this is definitely the time to read your journey to enlightenment. It is a self-initiated process. Our enlightenment is something that we have to give to ourselves. It is not going to come from the outside. And it is going to come when we dive into the divine child nature that we are. We are each here as divine children, here to play, here to fully express and be creative. So definitely access your journey to enlightenment. In addition, my first book, Conversations with the Universe, the many different ways that the universe speaks to us, through all of the things from our children to our pets to our homes and our cars and the people that are all around us. Allow yourself to discover how the world speaks to you as you to tell you about you. I think you'll find it interesting and it will help you to develop more trust in the universe, in the world, in the people around you, and most importantly, yourself. In addition, I invite you to access 1111 Magazine, which I give away freely to humanity. You can come to the website, simran-sing.com, and register for your free subscription. It is always filled with amazing voices and hearts from around the world sharing their wisdom, their passion, and their excitement, allowing you to have many, many different gifts to support your own empowerment and opening of your hearts. My guest today is Timothy Wiley, and he is a writer, an artist, and a musician who has begun specializing in the study of non-human intelligences such as angels and dolphins after a near-death experience in 1973. He is the author of several books, including Confessions of a Rebel Angel, The Return of the Rebel Angels, The Helionics Proposition, Adventures Among Spiritual Intelligences, and Dolphins, ETs, and Angels. He lives in the high desert of New Mexico, and we're going to be talking 
talking to him about his book, Revolt of the Rebel Angels, The Future of the Multiverse, uh, along with some other thoughts about um, some of the different forms of intelligence that we are now privy to communicating with. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Timothy Wiley to 1111 Talk Radio. Well, thank you so much, Simone. I, I really appreciate that. And I also very much appreciated your um, uh, talking about uh, those books of yours um, because you really highlight, I think, a couple of things which are so vitally important to know. And that is that the universe is a benign place. It's a, it's a place of love. you know, And it's just how we experience life down here that has become so kind of distorted and out of uh, out of balance with uh, with the larger sort of universe frame. So I think you know highlighting that you know and and allowing people to discover that through the processes you know you you describe uh, is a tremendous gift. I applaud you for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I think there is so much communication going on, and that we have to recognize that we are being spoken to all of the time, and much of that communication is instigated by our ourselves so that we we discover our own truth and you do a lot of research and work in in the discussion about other forms of communication as well about spiritual intelligences and dolphins and ETs and angels talk a little bit about those conversations how they come about where they are and how we tap into the highest expressions of those so that we are able to utilize that intelligence for our own higher good as well well, that's a that's a, a question. <laughs> that's a heavy kind of question. Um, well, let me just start by saying that, um, from my point of view, I um, I really kind of grew up an atheist, uh, and it, you know, it wasn't until my twenties that I kind of discovered God for myself. Uh, but when I was in my early thirties, I had a near-death experience, one of those really full-out near-death experiences, and was you know was able to see that um, you know. Uh, life on this planet is really rather a, a small thing compared to the greater, you know, span of things out there. And I, I saw angels, I met angels, I was healed in a situation uh, within the near-death experience uh, and came out of it a different man. Um, and from that point on, I decided really to investigate um, what I called non-human intelligences. Um, this is not to degrade humans, I mean, very fascinating beings, but I really got fascinated by, as you say, being surrounded by life and, and not just, um, you know, not just, in a sense, you know, land that talks to us, but, but living beings like dolphins. And I, I just went down to uh, to, the, to the south and um, hung out on the beach until the dolphins came by and then went out and swam with them, stayed with them for basically about 11 days. And, uh, you know, it opened me up to the realization, my goodness, you know, we share the planet with another intelligent species. And then that was followed by an experience with uh, an extraterrestrial craft that a group of us saw in New York, plain as day, and then a little extraterrestrial mouthpiece came up and told us some things about the universe. And then within a few weeks after that, it was the angels who were apparently talking to some people up in... Uh, up in Canada, and I went up and uh, spent um, a couple of weeks with them. And so it was a sort of a process for me, a sort of gradual expansion of understanding. You know, first that we share the planet with another intelligent species, and then that we share the universe with 
other intelligent species, and then we share the inner worlds with the uh, with the angels. So I think a lot of um, a lot of what we really need to do is kind of, in a sense, simplify. We, I don't think it's anything new, but we live incredibly complicated lives, and lives that really take us away from this kind of work. So I think the first thing is to sort of make space for this kind of work, give it give it the credence, even if it's uh, on the basis of um, you know. If it, you know, an as-if basis, you know, let me proceed on an as-if basis, which is actually a very good way of going about it. You know, if one has a, uh, an incident that could be explained away, you know, or not not easily explained away scientifically, for instance, rather than giving credence to the scientific, why not give credence to the spiritual and say, well, I'll proceed as if this was a spiritual event. And if one does that, the universe is a way of speaking back to us. If we if we speak to it, if we show interest and curiosity, you know, we, it speaks back to us in its various forms, as I think you pointed out. So I think those are the, the basic things: learning to listen, learning to simplify one's life so one can listen, and then um, proceed on an as-if basis. Because if something is false, it drops away sooner or later, and you learn from it. But That's true. The fault does drop away because the truth will always remain. And as I was hearing you speak, what became very evident to me is we have to allow the conversations in that are uh, in this broader field around us, and perhaps we need to step out of the conversations that are within us, that are the limited mind, that won't let us see that there's more beyond what we are and and what is available to us. And you got that experience through the dolphins and through ETs and through uh, the angels and having this conversation uh, where Georgia reveals so much about the, the rebel angels that are currently incarnated on Earth. Yes. Um, well, for me, it's actually it started um, coming out of my experience in Canada with the realization that um, we can learn to uh, communicate with our own guardian angels or uh, um, that, that all of us have and are, in fact, anxious to talk to us, but we put up so many barriers. So while I agree with you, yes, we need to look outside the self, get away from the deceiving self, I found it very helpful to... Um, to work very closely with, with one of my angels. And it took really a couple of years uh, of very hard work um, meditating and, and uh, um, you know, keeping a journal and everything like that to get into really good, reliable contact with one of my guardian angels. And that was enormously helpful because it's like having a, an inner psychoanalyst. Uh, and they're very straight, very honest, uh, and very firm, and, and sometimes a little frightening because... You know, one doesn't want to give up some of one's bad habits. Uh, so um, I think that's also another way of looking at it. Yes. Now, some of the book, um, Revolt of the Rebel Angels, you, you mentioned the Durantia book in the beginning and that some of the terminology, uh, it, it was used as a key source text. Um, before we get started into the, the meat of, of Revolt of the Rebel Angels, uh, which is a follow-up to your other book, uh, which is Confessions of a Rebel Angel. Uh, can you speak a little bit about your answer for the listeners that are not familiar with it? Uh, yes, by all means. Um, 
from a personal point of view, I've, I've studied a number of different um, uh, theologies and theological approaches and cosmologies, and the one that really resonated with me was this Urantia book. Uh, it was a book that came through um, purportedly from the angels, and I have no reason to disbelieve that. Uh, the way they speak and the way they write is really quite different from the way human beings write. Um, very concise, uh, rather dry, but it's a long book, it's 2,000 plus pages, and it's quite something to take on, but it's an extraordinarily worthwhile uh, piece of um, what I regard as reliable information, although, you know, what of whom I to say. Uh, but what I found was that that was the, the one that really kind of answered the, not really answered the question so much, but filled in the idea that, okay, we live in an open system. It's not a closed system, the Earth. We're part of a much larger universe and a much larger frame of reference. And what the Urantia book did is it filled it in how it, how it works, how it comes together, and the sort of the politics of it and, and the science of it. And it's a, it's a really very profound and uh, an important read, I think, for anybody who is interested in, um, you know, the, the spiritual work within a sort of fairly uh, pragmatic form. It's not very kind of woo-woo, if you like. Um, and that is really uh, the book that, um, that or the, the frame of reference, if you like, that Georgia uses in her, in her own books. Because um, we write together, and I should say that Georgia is a, is a discriminate uh, rebel angel uh, who hasn't actually come into incarnation yet. Um, and uh, who, um, you know, I've been working with now for maybe uh, six or seven years after a lifetime of getting used to her presence because it's pretty scary to start with. But now we work together pretty well. So let's talk about Georgia first. I mean, I, I use the term rebel on the rebel road as the creative rebel that realizes that there's no real problem anywhere, that we need to dive into our passions and that the rebel really just dives into their heart and their intuition and their guidance and their passions and lives a boundless, timeless life. Talk about what you mean when you talk about being a discarnate rebel angel. Yes, um, yes, I, th you, it, it, I think you're perfectly right. I think these are, if you like, aspects of the rebel, the rebel personality. Um, but now, if we consider, for instance, as, as we now, I think, more generally know that the universe is very large and it's also populated. Now, the way I have understood it is that. Um, it really breaks down into two very, very sort of enormous but parallel segments. You know, one is the outer worlds, of which we're part, and the outer worlds of the extraterrestrials and the worlds that we can see. And then there are the inner worlds, and these are the worlds of the angels, the celestials, and these can be contacted through our imaginations, if you like. We think about our imagination as something imaginary, but of course it's not. It's like a, it's like a sort of a two-way mirror, if you like, in our heads that we can receive information. Um, so, you know, if you think of a large populated universe, the next thing that really you have to think about is, well, how does it work? How does, you know, what, how, what are the politics of it? And, you know, does everybody know each other? Do people go from planet to planet? How is it all organized? Well, what I've learned from the Arantia book, and of course it makes sense, is, is it's, it's organized from the inner worlds. It's organized by the celestials, if you like. We are the hands of the angels, uh, and they operate through us in that way. And the clearer and cleaner we can become, the more 
we can become aligned with, you know, what is required for you know, the production of a really wonderful world. Um, so, okay, once you get politics, of course, you get disagreements. And the last great disagreement, if you like, in our section of the universe was a rebellion that happened about 203,000 years ago, we're told, on the capital planet of this little system of planets, the system of planets is only a thousand inhabited planets, so it's relatively small. So it's a kind of a, a fairly sort of junior operation, but still it had a very profound impact on this planet and the 36 other planets that went, um, that went along with the rebellion, if you like. And it was really a rebellion about breaking away from um, a very sort of fixed way of doing things and allowing people more freedom of choice, allowing people, you know, to work out their own salvations, you know, for themselves as opposed to having angels all around you and extraterrestrials coming and going. You know, so in those cases, one, in a sense, almost becomes a child to uh, to the other races that know better and know deeper. But of course, we're here to grow up. Um, yes, we are, of course, all children of God, but sooner or later we grow up, and this is one of the planets we grow up on because it's not considered a very easy planet to be. Uh, and generally speaking, um, it requires a rather sort of a, a harder head, a harder soul uh, to, um, to come down here and, and work down here. Writing through Timothy Wiley, Rebel Angel Georgia shares insights from her half a million years stationed on Earth as a watcher and from her part in the angelic revolution. She reveals details of the Lucifer Rebellion, including the role played by planetary prince Caligastia and his team of angelic administrators. Georgia reveals that there are more than 100 million rebel angels currently granted mortal incarnation on Earth at all levels of society and in all countries most of whom are still unaware of their angelic heritage. Now that we are free of Prince Caligastia's behind-the-scenes manipulations, the stage is set for the rebel angels to begin redeeming their past and help Earth realize its significance in the wondrous destiny of the multiverse. I am with author Timothy Wiley, who is a writer, artist, and musician who began specializing in the study of non-human intelligence such as angels, dolphins, and after a near-death experience in 1973. We are talking about the book, Revolt of the Rebel Angels, The Future of the Multiverse, and you can find out more about Timothy and all of his work at timothywiley.com. That's Timothy, W-Y-L-L-I-E.com. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. When Georgia first made it known that she wanted to collaborate with Timothy Wiley, he agreed to do it. More for personal reasons, because he was fascinated by his, by her dispassionate viewpoint. And it was a very liberating experience. Completing the first volume, Confessions of a Rebel Angel, and as her narrative unfolded, he began to realize that she was talking to a larger audience. After 200 millennia of celestial quarantine in the wake of Lucifer's angelic revolt, Earth and the rebel angels isolated here are being welcomed back into the benevolent and caring multiverse. With this redemption comes a massive transformation of consciousness and a reconnection to our cosmic destiny. But why did the angels revolt? And how has that event shaped our planet's past and its future? We're going to find out that and more from Timothy Wiley as we talk about his book, Revolt of the Rebel Angels, The Future of the Multiverse. Welcome back, Timothy. What is the reason or the process that the angels are asking for by by incarnating back or coming back in, in in this experience of Earth. Well, in a sense, it's a it's a it's a redemptive process. If you think about it, I mean, here were a group of angels who um, basically said to their their bosses, if you like, that I call I call the multiverse administration. Uh, that, um, hey, you know, we think we can run this better. We think, you know, people need more freedom of choice and, and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, no administration likes opposition, um, and this one didn't either, although one can imagine possibly that they appeared to dislike it, because, obviously, uh, rebellion is a useful thing um, in a benign political situation, you need something to jolt it along. So uh, a rebellion is a valuable thing, but at the same time, it has to be acted out as if it was a play. Um, so everybody takes their parts. You know, the, the universe administration gets all hoity-toity and how dare you, and you know, you've let everybody down, and the rebels get all, you know, all self-conscious and self uh, uh, aware in a sense if you like because of course once you do get more choices you make more mistakes and once you make more more mistakes you learn you learn from those mistakes and that's really of course what the whole situation is about is that everybody is learning from the situation you know now what happens of course to all those rebel angels who did go into rebellion well about uh, I think it started for us anyway on this planet around the time about Eight or ten thousand BC, uh, rebel angels started coming back and being incarnated as human beings, right? 
but for the purpose of learning from the experience of you know the result of the decisions they made. I mean, it's, it's the most wonderful sort of um, uh, circular uh, way of sort of learning, if you like. Um, because they hadn't, when they made their decision to go into rebellion, they really had no idea of how it was going to turn out. And so what's happening at this particular point in time, because we're nearing the end of this very long 200,000-year cycle, you know, uh, we're sort of gradually being sort of pulled back into the sort of the grander situation, and we can see from, you know, how many extraterrestrial visitations we've been having you know, over the last 60 or 70 years. So things are happening. And, of course, this is what's happening on a spiritual level, is that this reconciliation is happening between these various different once-opposing parties, and the rebel angels are coming back and incarnating as human beings and sometimes living very, very difficult lives. Um, in fact, that's probably one of the ways one can tell uh, an incarnate rebel angel is that most of us have very difficult childhoods uh, because we come in with rather weak emotional bodies. Angels don't have very strong emotional bodies. And to live in this environment, one needs a very tough emotional body. So we take on these challenges when we're very young. And, you know, some, some come and some go, as it were. You know, some make it through. Um, but uh, on one level, of course, it's, you could see it as a punishment because living the life of an angel is very much very different from living the life of a human being. But on the other hand, it's also a tremendous expansion of learning. And um, as an angel, we get to join the human line, which is an upwardly mobile line. It's an ascension line. Angels are created for their posts. They don't ascend. They stay in their posts forever, if you like. But this is a way of getting this kind of angelic intelligence into the human mind and then becoming a human, um, they get to ascend along with the humans. It's a wonderful picture. But uh, Georgia states that most incarnate angels are really unaware of this angelic heritage. Are we, are we to be aware of it at some point, or, or is it to be remaining uh, something that we are not conscious of? It very much depends on the state of advancement of each individual rebel angel, because this will not be the first incarnation for, for, for rebel angels. They'll have a number of incarnations, not only on this world, but on a number of other worlds as well, which we operate in sort of coordination with. Um, so it, it will be the first incarnation. But you see, the purpose of it is to live the life of a mortal being, of a human being. It's not to sort of you know, come in and, and sort of as an angel and, and with the knowledge that one is, uh, one is an angel, but one comes in with the knowledge that one is different from normal people, very different generally from the family one's incarnated into or one chooses to be incarnated into. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, in a sense a gradual process. I'm not even sure... It'll be the last incarnation for a number of people um, in that situation. But I think it's just a gradual awakening. And the very fact that I can write these books and you know, publish a serious material, um, you know, publishes them, um, makes me feel that there is uh, an audience awakening to this particular understanding of the self. 
I, I think one of the first things that a lot of people would um, have to accept or have not realized is that there was a war of the angels because most people have a viewpoint of what an angel is and they probably don't even have an idea um, of, of an angel being a rebel or or there being angels that revolted in some way. Um, how do we need to get rid of that concept that we've placed there or do we need to get rid of it? Is it something that we need to be aware of that has taken place in the universe and are we mirroring that on earth at this time? Well, yes, yes, of course we are, exactly. Um, and because we're one of the 37 planets that, that, were, that has been affected by this rebellion, and you mentioned also Prince Caligastia, who was the kind of the local angel in charge of this planet, who also kind of went with the rebellion, um, that the effects have rippled down to us because um, at at the point of the rebellion, one of the things that the overlords, if you like, did is that they basically cut us off. They isolated and quarantined this, this not just this planet, but this whole system. Because under normal planets, under normal conditions, you know, everybody knows, you know, about uh, extraterrestrials coming and going, and there, there there's communication between worlds, and, and angels are, are acknowledged and, you know, right there to be uh, asked for guidance at any point. Um, so it's a very different life on a sort of, a, if you like, on a normal world. Uh, and this planet is not a normal world. Uh, it's a very privileged world um, and privileged from the universe's point of view because, as the Urantia uh, assures us, um, and again, I have no reason to disbelieve it, that um, Jesus Christ was um, an incarnation of the uh, the creator son of this particular local universe. So a very, very key figure, not by any means the supreme God, but a very important key figure for all of us in this sort of 10 million uh, inhabited planet universe, what they call a local universe. Um, and the fact that he chose this particular planet out of all the planets he could have chosen for his incarnation makes this very, very significant place, which is one of the reasons we have such interest to extraterrestrials, of course. Mm. Um, I had an interview once uh, on the show, and it was someone that was discussing the Urantia book, and he relayed a story about 1,111 angels. And uh, 11-11 has been so significant in my life, but I'd never heard this story. And he spoke about these 1,111 angels as being the angels that are trying to communicate, and they use that 1111 on the digital clocks and different things as a form of that communication. Can you talk about, uh, if you know anything about that, and or about the sound or, or the way in which the communication is happening for those that are to awaken to the knowledge that they are these uh, angels incarnate now? Yes. Um, well, how very interesting. Yes, I don't know if you're aware of um, Bernard uh, down in um, uh, uh, Australia, who's been in contact with that particular group of, of angels mm. for some time, uh, a great healer. Um, yes, it's, it's very intriguing. Um, these, are not, these are not real angels, if you like, this particular group. Um, they, they're what, what we call midway, midwayers or midway creatures. And there were originally um, about 50,000 of these 
but the majority of them chose to side with the rebellion. And um, they kind of were probably... You can see them appearing in recorded history as, as the, the sort of the, the gods of the old world, the ancient world, who were, you know, who were the real entities. You know, I mean, we're walking down the street and suddenly this enormous creature would sort of pop out in front of us and tell us to go to war with somebody. You know, it was a, a different way of living. And one of Christ's more occulted um, functions was to remove the rebel midwares. And there were, um, I think, uh, something like 41,000 of them who were removed at the time of Christ, leaving the, uh, leaving the remainder, the ones who remained, uh, if you like, loyal, if you like, uh, to, um, to the basic sort of universe structure. And those are the ones that um, are now, uh, I think, called the 11-11. There are, in fact, more than 11-11. I think there were 9,000. 9, Thousand of them, but of course they're doing the work that used to be done by you know fifty, sixty thousand of them. So they're pretty stretched. Um, but they're the ones that can actually interact physically with this uh, this reality, if you like. They can they can move in and out of this reality, and they exist midway, if you like, between the angels who occupy a much much higher frequency. Um, and they're not so sort of easy to contact. Uh, the midwares are relatively easy to contact if one is aligned with one's true purpose, if you like. If, you're, if one's playing, you know, playing the game, um, they, uh, they're much more interested, obviously, than you know, if you ask them to, you know, who's going to win the, <laughs> the thing tomorrow. They don't really respond well to that. Now, I know a lot of people talk about hearing a high-pitched sound in their ears, and they speak about that being the angels. Is that, uh, are are there certain levels of angels, or are those also the rebel angels just downloading frequencies or communicating um, in different ways with those that are incarnate? Well, that's an interesting um, question. Um, The sound itself, I believe, to be internally generated. In other words, it, it marks a particular point in the ascension of our own consciousness because we have to bring up our consciousness just as, just as the angels have to, you know, bring down their consciousness, you know, in order to, to communicate. So um, I think, for instance, you spoke of that first book of yours as being, um, a, part, you know, a way of processing in order to clean out and clear out and the book that I wrote with two other people called Ask Your Angels, which we wrote actually, we were given an angel to write with, which is very interesting. Um, but she gave us a very particular set of meditations, um, which were designed to um, identify what, what she called um, fear-impacted thought forms, which are the thought forms that we pick up in our emotional and our spiritual and our, and our subtle energy bodies, um, generally speaking, when we're young, you know, in rouse, in anger, you know, and these lodge in our, in our um, subtle energy bodies. And these are the things, in a sense, that fuzz up our communication with the, these higher entities. Because, as one of the angels said, you know, talking with us is perfectly natural. It's the most natural thing in the world. 
It's just that we have become so programmed and disillusioned and, and, and you know, fooled and, and, you know, by other people's belief systems and other people's desires and other people's ambitions that we have sort of forgotten that we have the ability, as you pointed out, you know, to listen and hear and be part of this wonderful sort of uh, wonderful dance that we're all involved with now is this vastly long cycle is coming to an end and something really marvelous is, is, is coming for us. Nobody knows when, nobody knows what. It's just all of us feel this intuitively that something wonderful is going to happen and it's probably going to happen in our lifetimes. Mm, powerful. The Return of the Rebel Angels and Confessions of a Rebel Angel continue the series that Timothy Wiley began with dolphins, ETs, and angels, and adventures among spiritual intelligences, presenting further in-depth intuitive explorations of non-human intelligences. It draws together the many meaningful strands of Wiley's 30-year voyage of discovery into unknown and long-taboo territories into a coherent and remarkably optimistic picture for the immediate future of the human species with the inconspicuous help of a benign and richly inhabited living multi-universe. You can find out more about all of Timothy's books at timothywiley.com. That's W-Y-L-L-I-E when you look that up. And uh, definitely look up some of the work that he's doing We'll be right back with Timothy Wiley, author of Revolt of the Rebel Angels, The Future of the Multiverse. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at Simron-Singh.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. We move through life wondering what is real and what is illusion. We all create all kinds of situations and try to discover how to find the meaning in life. And yet 
we don't realize that sometimes the very mythologies that we have held are actually the fabric and substance of what is real. We don't understand that sometimes the unseen or all that exists so far vastly outside of us is actually so closely connected to us in the most intimate and personal ways that we can touch it, we can hear it, we can speak with it, but we have not realized it. When will we re- be ready to release what we think is illusion and grasp what is truly reality? When will we be ready to understand that we are at oneness with so much more than what we see in our immediate physicality? Perhaps this happens by conversations and books and and many authors' uh, books and creations by such authors as Timothy Wiley. His book is Revolt of the Rebel Angels, The Future of the Multiverse. And it is now time for more and more people to start engaging in those conversations of all those that exist that have not been particularly in physicality on the planet that may now be coming to physicality on the planet as incarnate angels, as well as those ETs the dolphins, all the other beings that exist that are in communication with us all of the time. It is time to see beyond the thing that we call reality and step into what is truly reality. Timothy, I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that's happening is we believe that um, fantasy was fantasy and we believe that mythology is just story, but in actuality, it seems that all of this is coming full circle and that it's all right within our grasp. We need only open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to it. Yes, I, I think in principle that's perfectly right. Um, I think one of the things to remember is that, you know, we are subject to, um, you, know, to our, uh, you know, to the human gestalt, if you like, to the human uh, dilemma, to the human way. And, and, and this has been a way of isolation for this immense length of time. And I, I think we underestimate this um, and think that we can, you know, we'll flick our fingers and, and, and wake up. You know, I'm, a, I'm almost 74 years old, and I've been basically working on this since my early 20s. And I've seen that it's an incremental thing. It, it happens piece by piece, bit by bit. Um, I had one experience in my early 20s when I, I did open up to an extraterrestrial input and very stupidly say, tell me all you know. And it propelled me. I was in the swimming pool and it propelled me out of that swimming pool for 10 feet. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry, I was not out. I, I was outside the swimming pool in, in a, a chaise long and it propelled me out of that physically about 10 feet to land in the swimming pool. Um, so I, I got from that, my God, you know, I, I, I realized the shock of that to my system. I, I just couldn't take it. So um, it is an incremental thing, bit by bit. And as I said, like, for me, it was then the dolphins and then the extraterrestrials and then the angels. And then after that, various other things. But it's also, you know, a question, as I said earlier, of clearing out the delusions that we've lived with. And, of course, delusions can be very powerful and very strong, and they're not easy to get rid of unless, um, unless one finds a better one. You know? And sooner or later, of course, one's going to find the truth uh, underneath all those delusions. And, um, and that, that demands one lives in a very different way from how one usually lives. And, uh, you know, it's quite a step. 
with with the way things are on Earth, we see people in their shadow patterns. We see uh, all types of conflicts happen. We see the generosity of people and the love of people trying to come together in union and communion and create a better world of peace. Is this the same experience that happens in these other realms? Is this what has happened in the initial revolt and rebellion of the angels and the the uh, the conflict that initially occurred, and is this also something that occurs amongst the ETs that you have have had ability to connect with? Um, yes, I mean disagreements obviously um, you know go all the way up if you like uh, they would have to. Um, because, um, you know, intelligence demands, you know, different viewpoints, if you like. So um, what I've come to see is that on the more sophisticated uh, extraterrestrial realms, um, there are disagreements, but they're they're not necessarily physical disagreements. Um, I'm told there's been kind of like uh, telepathic wars, for instance, you know, where it's all done on sort of the, uh, the imaginary realm, the imagine, you know, within the imagination of, 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 of the races. Um, but I think a better way of sort of understanding it is that we're, if you like, at the bottom of the intelligence well. <laughs> um, although we're, in a sense, halfway, you know, up from, you know, our um, animal uh, background, you know, we're also... You know, at the bottom of the um, extraterrestrial and the, or more likely the inner worlds of the angels, were at the bottom of that bit. So, in a sense, it's all collected here. We're the ones who manifest it in the most uh, obvious way. So, one of the ways of thinking about life on the planet is that it's really a school, if you like. It's a kindergarten for really kind of tough souls who want to be able to understand the. Um, uh, the out uh, the outworkings of their uh, their instincts, their emotions, their feelings. So you can think of it as a place where people can experience the very worst of themselves, and of course the very best of themselves as well, because those things go hand in hand. The, the more difficult it gets, the badder it gets, the better it gets, because there is more space available for goodness. So it's a it's a place where um, we all learn the consequences of our actions, and if we don't learn it in this lifetime, we're sure as anything going to learn it in the next, or the next, or the next. And there are a lot of lifetimes. You know, it's not just one. And boom, we're dead, and then we're off to God. It's a much larger frame than that. And we have a lot to learn, and we're being trained for some very um, some very. Uh, well, I think probably some, some very interesting adventures ahead uh, because, uh, you know, if we can love God and, and know God without being prompted by angels and, you know, uh, priests and things like that, if we can know it in our hearts, we become, of course, you know, incredibly uh, powerful uh, tools, for, tools for good, not just on this planet, but in the larger frame, the larger reference. We have a great future ahead of us. You know, with the with the ego mind that that we we have, and and 
that that may have um, humbled quite a few people to hear that we are just basically the kindergarten of the universe. Uh, but that is true. That is what we are. And even on this planet, there are species that we would not realize could possibly have higher intelligence than us. Um, and, and they speak in tones and frequencies that we cannot even uh, be aware of at this time fully. A few, a few people on the planet are, but, but the majority are not. And that would be the dolphins and the whales and that realm of, of those that speak through sound and frequency in a way that we can't quite comprehend. How do we, as, as people, learn to, to respect uh, not only those beings that are on the planet speaking to us in that way, but also um, in the way that Georgia is speaking to you. Learn to respect that there is, is outer intelligence along with the inner intelligence and, and realize that it is all for the purposes of oneness and union and communion with one another, whether it is planetary or interplanetary. Yes, um, that's a very profound question, of course. Uh, but I think, to simplify it, it does actually come down to the way we view ourselves. You see, we, we view ourselves as such, in such a lowly way. You know, we distrust ourselves. We distrust our emotions. We distrust our intuitions. You know, um, we'd rather take the opinion of somebody who we think knows more about something than we do. Uh, we have very, very low opinions of ourselves. Um, and at the same time, of course, we think we're the Kippers Knickers you know, and uh, the highest form of uh, intelligence in the entire universe. So we, we, that is a, a really awful <laughs> situation to be in, in a sense, if one is trying to be open to other intelligences. So, for instance, if we can continue to sort of kill dolphins because they're just animals or meat or things like that, it's because we have no real deep respect inside ourselves you know, we, we, we can't respect our own intelligences. Mm. So I think the, the, the key is if we can start to trust ourselves and to learn to trust our intuitions. When I'm with a dolphin, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me in whistles. I, I can, you know, I can hear it talking. <laughs> mm. Now, whether it's translating it for me, whether I'm translating its whistles, I don't know, and I don't really mind. You know, uh, for another person to try and understand probably 200,000 years down time. But what's real to me is that I am in communication with this dolphin. Or this angel or whatever it is. As George is coming through to give you these communications for these books, what is, do you think, the real purpose and mission or desire through the information that you're imparting? Well, I began working with Georgia, not, not actually for publication. Um, she came to me basically saying she wanted to tell her story of being here for half a million years because she wanted to see where she went wrong. Right? Um, and I said, well, uh, for me it was very interesting because I'd been trying to get at a story I wanted to tell about the, um, the Lucifer Rebellion. And I was trying to find a way in and I had spent maybe 10 years or so and I tried three different voices and I could not get it. And then when they started working with Georgia, you know, of course, um, you know, she was going to tell the story. So I made a little bargain with her. I said, well, if you're going to tell your story, since you've been with me for at least the last three or four lifetimes, would you please tell my story through your eyes? And of course, she's interweaving these two stories. 
So I'm sort of, you know, I'm absolutely fascinated. I don't mind if people publish them or not. It's fascinating for me to discover all the things that were happening that I had no idea that were happening behind my back, you know. How did I get into this situation? How did this lead to this lead to this? Um, so basically, it's a, it's a story, you know, her story of her half million years, but interwound with the story of a rebel angel coming gradually into human incarnation. In the book, you, there's a section where it talks about the reincarnation and how there are two primary issues and that we have to be aware of over the course of life. And one of those is that having lived before does not confer a position of superiority. And, and, and so often we do have that sense of arrogance infiltrate us, whether it is um, arrogance of personality or spiritual arrogance or any form of that self. Uh, the second one you said is, uh, or that was said was, uh, we chose here to redeem ourselves. And as previously mentioned, that, that we really did volunteer to be on this world as a key point in the human history to serve a greater good. As people are moving from these places of arrogance or even servitude into places of service for that greater good, how can, can we... If, if we are or are not the incarnate of these rebel angels, how do we allow ourselves that contact with angelic intelligence so that we really do embody the highest aspect of ourselves in service? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a very deep one. Um, I think... Well, no, put it this way. I feel that the, once we start, as I was saying earlier, getting into um, a feeling of trust within ourselves, if we trust ourselves, we tend to trust everything else. And I, d I don't mean blindly trust, but approaching the, a situation from a point of openness as opposed to from a point of s suspicion. Right Now, I think that activates it. From my experience... Once I started being actually curious and interested and open, everything came wheeling in on me, right? In, in, in a perfectly wonderful way. I mean, I'm not saying I was overwhelmed by it, but um, it, it's almost a question of showing willingness, if you like, and not necessarily giving up on personal ambition, but aligning one's desires with one's higher purpose, if you like. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fairly social creature. I lived in cities most of my life, but in 1990, I knew I had to come and live out on my own in the desert. Um, it's not the most desirable thing. I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. But I realized that I had to do that in order to be, in order to synchronize my own desires with um, with my higher purpose. So I think that's probably a little bit of a key there. Not not to fight one's desires, but to attune one's desires. That's, that's what allowed me, I think, or allowed Georgia to realize that she could work with me, I think. It's not an easy question to answer, but it's so individual. No. Very powerful. Timothy, I want to thank you for being on 1111 Talk Radio and bringing forward all of the work that you do. 
And I want to thank Georgia for revealing that there are more than 100 million rebel angels currently granted mortal incarnation on Earth at all levels of society and in all countries, most of whom are still unaware of their angelic heritage. Now that we are free of Prince Castellastigas, behind-the-scenes manipulations, the stage is set for the rebel angels to begin redeeming their past and help Earth realize its significance in the wondrous destiny of the multiverse. Timothy Wiley is a writer, artist, and musician who has authored several books, including Confessions of a Rebel Angel, The Return of the Rebel Angels, uh, Dolphins, ETs, and Angels, in addition to the book that we discussed this evening, Revolt of the Rebel Angels. I invite you to explore his website, timothywiley.com, and I look forward to having you next week as we start a series of three shows with Richard Rudd in a discussion of the gene keys and how to unlock your unique genius within your body. In love, of love, with love, and as love, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.